Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome aboard. A happy Friday to you. Glad to have you with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. So much to get to in about 20 minutes. We're going to be talking about an event that you had no idea that was going on right now, but you need to know about it. That comes up in 20. Check out the latest lines for the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trust to name in online sports betting. Must be 21. Must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. But Mike, as we are on this Friday, Friday and on Monday, many eyes of this country will be on Los Angeles because of Super Bowl 56. I know Fox Sports Radio will be broadcasting live throughout the week from downtown L.A., as will many radio stations and radio shows from across the country. And I figured that what happens during these Super Bowl weeks is there is a topic of conversation that comes up that kind of overshadows the game, right? Like, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. an injury. It's a bigger picture thing. And I think we got that this week with the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL. Not only is it a topic that we have talked about this week and are going to talk about in a matter of minutes, but I also think it's a topic that will continue to go on throughout the NFL conversation as we get ahead, a look ahead to Super Bowl week next week. Yeah, I mean, look, at first it looked it was going to be the, all right, what are your great, greatest memories of Tom Brady? How much do you like Los Angeles? Have you seen any stars? All the usual pitch product. Boom. Uh, and give me a game prediction. Now you add this to just the operations of the NFL on an entirely other level, right? We still have several head coaching jobs that need to be filled. That part of the what we'd always called the silly season now has the nefarious side, the allegations uh, and legal proceedings at least a 58 page I don't know how much you got into it a little bit repetitive in spots I didn't think they needed to beat me over the head with a couple of the the things like they could have saved paper uh, Dan, to be honest with you, and, yeah. and, and I, I don't mean to be glib about it, but it's like, well, all right, you, you did that on page five. Why am I reading it again on page 20? There, are also, the there are also words that I don't know what the meanings are, you know, because there's such legalese and legal sure. terms that it's just it's a very, very easy way to allow me to tune out. Yeah. Fortunately, I watch a lot of Law and Order. Oh, you that'll know, help. Yeah. You know, that, that helps a little bit. And I, sure. I know I, I know a little bit to be dangerous, but I guess the, the point being you know, we we identify a problem right we all recognize uh there's there's an issue and look you got 32 businesses under one on blanket blanket business so now you're trying to figure out how do you reconcile that and, and if is there any other remedies and i think that's i guess for a super bowl week a positive that a story has legs like this to where you got a lot of idea people and a lot of influential people in the room together to kind of get that groundswell. But in the end, you know, it's still just the opening salvos with denials and anger and vitriol uh, in the midst of trying to celebrate the game as a whole. So that dichotomy does exist. Now, throughout this week, you know, Doug has is, is talked about this Brian Flores situation quite a bit. And Doug's pointed out a variety of times that the, the things that he feels that Brian Flores is pointing to in his lawsuit don't necessarily show that there are racist hiring practices in the NFL. 
Now, now I disagreed in some of Doug's takes, and we went back and forth in, in some of these topics, but I think that there is a bigger issue at hand, and one of the bigger issues is, Mike, is you know you can always use the excuse of, well, this was their guy. This was their guy that they, they pointed to and they, they focused in on right from the get-go because they felt he was the best fit. And that's kind of actually part of the problem is you don't then open your eyes and you don't open your ears to possible other possibilities that could be your fit, that could be your guy. Sometimes you know the guy. You know, Joe Shane in Buffalo is obviously familiar with Brian Dable, but he's also familiar with Leslie Frazier, who was the defensive coordinator. So there are things that, that while it may seem on the surface, that are perfectly explainable really aren't. However, I say all of that with this, is I think the Jacksonville Jaguars hire of Doug Peterson is the perfectly explainable scenario. I thought it was going to be a fairy tale sort of thing with Byron Leftwich coming home. And there are very few guys that you can look at and say, you know what? That's a Jaguar. You know, Tony Baselli's one of them. Uh, m- maybe put Mark Brunel in that category. And Byron Leftwich only spent four years in Jacksonville as their first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But still, Mike, it made sense for him to go there. So then all of a sudden there's a f- bit of a falling out because he doesn't want Trent Balky as his GM, and he ends up withdrawing his name from consideration uh, at some point yesterday. So now the Jaguars – seemingly settle for Doug Peterson when in reality, Mike, I think that's the best hire that you could have gotten if you were the Jacksonville Jaguars, white or black, when it came to this hiring cycle in the NFL. Yeah, I think the fact that we've gone the couple of weeks, right, with his name mentioned a little bit, but more in the why isn't he up for job X rather than, all right, he's one of the front runners here, here, or here. Right? Why? Why didn't we have more of Doug Peterson? Wins a Super Bowl with Wentz and Foles, and we all know the narratives that have unfolded with both those quarterbacks these last several years, particularly Wentz, uh, his exit from Philly, and then what happened down the stretch here. And now he goes to the Jaguars. One of the only times that Trevor Lawrence played like a guy who might become that number one pick and generational guy. Yeah, I say that with my tongue in cheek because that's always my favorite on these things. Because most of the time we say this guy's going to be a generational guy. Guess what, Dan? He's not. Yes. Uh, but but here you have a guy with pedigree, a guy who's worked through left, which was was interesting in a number of ways, right? Because you know you heard all the whispers in Tampa about his way with the, the players and, and how he was chief um, uh, chiefly going around making sure, all right, everybody, what, what are your incentives? What do you got left? All of those things, trying to make sure folks got their money, uh, which I think is a big deal, right? That's going to endear you to the players and a locker room. You're not that far removed from playing and, and relatability as we, we talk about all the time. Uh, so it looked right, but you know, now you want to unfold it, you know, peel back that whole part of the process of why it was in limbo. I suggested all along is like, do you think uh, Bruce Arian suddenly decides to raise one last vodka and leave? You know, and we well, talked about it with Jay Glazer, who's his buddy, and he's like, well, he plans to, to die on the sidelines, you know, to kind of put it together. I'm like, but with all the upheaval and what that roster is going to be, Dan, who's to say there's not still a move there? But in the interim, you're trying to get, as a first-time head coach, that much sway and that much juice of how the organization, and I want to pick my guys and bring in Adrian Wilson. I, I like it, 
but I, I don't know how that flies, and I'd love to hear more of what those conversations were like, particularly with reports that Balky was in the room for some of them. Well, there, there's also there's also a connection with Rick Spielman and Doug Peterson, and that's the you know the the word that we're hearing that Rick Spielman would maybe go to Jacksonville, take a position over that would be higher than Trent Balky's, and if Balky stayed in the uh, in the organization i gotta call him bulky though because if i call him yeah. bulky i'm thinking of perfect strangers, perfect strangers. So I've gotta, now we're gonna I've gotta get the double a, a down Larry. yeah yeah looking for a guy named larry yeah. on the staff to help with them i get it who's gonna be the new head coach in Mepos? that's my question no the the but the the trent bulky situation is is one that did loom over but when you have an adrian wilson that wanted to be a package deal with byron Leftwich, i do think it makes it a little bit more difficult than for something to be arranged Mike because not only are you trying to fit with one person you're trying to fit it with two and maybe Adrian Wilson's vision of what he wanted with the Jaguars or his plan was not what Shad Khan wanted and so I think that that scenario there is perfectly explainable of why the Jacksonville Jaguars needed something different from Urban Meyer and and, and Urban Meyer was thought to like the the splash of what Urban Meyer's hire was a year ago was was much more than even what was going to happen on the football field, Mike. And it was about what the Jaguars were going to be able to do, how the community was going to rally around the Jaguars, and what Urban Meyer was going to mean to not only that team, but that community. And less than a year later, that's all gone. So you know what you do? You try to figure out a guy that's going to save your franchise generational quarterback, as you talked about, and make a winner. And there was no one out there, even of the guys who have been hired, that were available in this coaching cycle that had more qualifications or better qualifications than Doug Peterson had. And that's why, in my mind, with all of the Flores stuff coming in, I saw the tweets last night, what do you know, another white head coach, I know there's a problem. We all know that there's a problem, but it shouldn't be penalized or the Jacksonville Jaguars shouldn't be penalized for likely landing the top candidate that was available in this coaching cycle. Well, and that's it. I We were on air as it broke, and, and like I said, we talked with Jay Glazer through some of this. Uh, you can find the podcast up uh, wherever you get your audio. But to, to kind of go through it, you know, people immediately started bringing in Biennemi and Caldwell and some of the others. Like, doesn't say they're, they're not great candidates. There's, there's also this guy's won a Super Bowl. This guy's developed quarterback. He was in Kansas City. Then he goes to Philly, and, and you saw what he was able to do with those squads. That's a, that's a quality resume. This isn't a guy that went from being a position coach to a head coach, mm-hmm. right? When, when those situations happen, fine, let's talk about it. And, you know, Peterson or, or even going back to Brian Dable, not to re-litigate re, uh, stuff from earlier in the week, he just – completed a transformation with Josh Allen when many on our network, okay, not many, a few, uh, and across networks, thought Josh Allen was nothing more than a, a guy that was a running back who could occasionally fling the ball a country mile, right? And all of a sudden now it's, is he one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL? Let's take calls or sure. poll questions or whatever else. It's like, so him getting hired when the Giants are still trying to figure out what they have in Daniel Jones, is that that big a stretch? Right. I mean, like, I, I don't I don't I, understand. You know, I, I, I get the, the background of all of this and tr- making sure everybody's doing things as they're supposed to and keeping an open mind. But in terms of fits and formats and whatever, it, it's like the, some of these are, are pretty natural fits, no matter how, how you want to spin. Them. I, I think but I think that the, the spin would be, well, if you've seen what Brian Dable can do with Josh Allen, what about what 
Eric Bieniemy has been able to do with sure. Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's that's where the rub is. And that's why I think Peterson is so different because of Peterson's pedigree of of what he has done as a head coach. Like I, I like if you want if you want to lay blame at what the Bears did with Eberflus or what the Broncos did with Nathaniel Hackett or even what the Giants did with Dable, I think you can make an argument with that. But I don't think you can make an argument with what the Jaguars did and what was needed for that organization. I mean, if Byron Leftwich didn't play for that organization, Mike, and wasn't a first-round pick, I'm not sure on how much that would have fit there. I think that that connection was a big reason why, like he, need, because it got so bad this past season with Jacksonville in what was thought to be a promising season. So you really need someone with a resume in there. And his turning around of Carson Wentz and Nick Foles and making them the play that they were I think you know shows a lot I just don't I don't put the Peterson higher on par with what the Bears Broncos or Giants did just because as you mentioned you could you could put the enemy in those scenarios I just think Peterson's resume superseded all of this well and he goes to a perfect spot giant pile of cash number one pick and a yeah. in theory uh, a couple of skill position guys that come back so you, you've got a, a chance to remake this organization assuming you can play nice sandbox with your GM uh, <laughs> Uh, and make that work, and ShotCon uh, gets out of the way <laughs> and lets football people do football things uh, and isn't, you know, just uh, inspired based on some glowing television uh, reports, etc. Mike, I didn't know that you could type in size four font because that's what Shad Khan had to do today to release a statement to convince people or to show people why Doug Peterson ended up being their head coach. That's where we are. And and maybe that's I, – I, I don't know if that's if that was good of Shad Khan or bad of Shad Khan to do it. I do like more transparency whenever possible, but I just felt like Shad Khan was having to over-explain when I think of all the hires that have been made in this hiring cycle this one needed the least amount of explaining well putting them in in giant uh press releases i mean that's not good i heard joy talking about you know the giants rebuttal uh, of everything related to the flora situation it's like brevity is the soul of wit you'll have plenty of time if you want to go on the the long diatribes hell go back to tom brady's goodbye note everybody was mad that there wasn't a seventh instagram page to talk about the patriots and and their fans right like keep it short simple you have you'll have press conferences you'll have plenty of press availabilities to plead your case just give the three lines saying we're happy to have him here Brady's wasn't short, though. I kept on sliding, and there was more <laughs> and more and more. He by thanked way, me on page nine, by the way. I, wanna, I, I just want to <laughs> say this, and this is the final thought on, on Doug Peterson's hiring. If you think that I'm a honk for Doug Peterson and, and, and I'm just supporting whatever he's done, we had Doug Peterson on a show after they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots because he was pubbing his book, mm-hmm. and he did not. We were given instructions to not talk about the Carson Wentz, Nick Foles quarterback. Like, why? What else? I don't care about your book. You yeah, know, no, like, no, I, the, I, book, I, the book doesn't matter. How much yeah. in your book do you address yeah, the Carson I mean, Wentz? And Nick we Foles. wanted to know who's going to start. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, maybe come on and tell ten minutes of Brett Favre stories. That's what we could have done, but uh, no. yeah, that was a weird one. What, what was it like being playing in Green Bay as a backup nobody cares okay (laughs) we want to know now be sure to catch live editions of the doug gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m eastern noon pacific on fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio app doug gottlieb show on fox sports radio he's mike Harmon. i'm dan byer sitting in for doug on this friday 
Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, will join us in about five minutes to give us all the latest of what's happening coaching-wise in the NFL and also a look ahead to uh, Super Bowl 56. Also some Senior Bowl information as uh, things are going down in Mobile. However, Super Bowl 56 is fast approaching, and for us in Southern California, it's, what, the first time since uh, Bills and Cowboys played in the Rose Bowl right. and Super Bowl 27 that uh, that the uh, Super Bowl has come to Southern California. So it is back, and I figured what better opportunity for us to give a primer to anybody that may be coming to town for Super Bowl 56. Got some info here. Uh, tick picks. A, a ticket site, their co-founder Brett Goldberg says that 11% of the purchases so far for Super Bowl tickets have been made with an Ohio zip code. So that? there are going to be some Bengals fans coming to town, Mike Harmon. And uh, for those Bengals fans, we provide this service to you to give you a look at Los Angeles and the places that you need to go as you prepare to enjoy Super Bowl 56. Because let's be honest, you could go to the game and your team could lose by 30, but you still want to make it a memorable trip. So you've got to go to different spots. Let's strike up the band and we're going to bring in the crew because they are uh, Southern California natives, Jason Stewart. Executive producer, John Ramos, our technical producer. Mike and I are transplants. Uh, we, uh, we were not born and raised here. So we can't really give the, the, the ultimate perspective on where to go. Jason Stewart, if you were visiting Los Angeles, what advice would you give a tourist who is coming for Super Bowl 56? Okay, I'm going to do this quickly, but there are there's actually two lists. There's the list of things that I would take you to that I would never go to myself, and then there's the list of things that I actually think that you should do while you're in Los Angeles. So the cliches, right? You got to go to Beverly Hills and you got to take a picture next to one of those signs that says this is Beverly Hills oh, yeah. and then walk through uh, Rodeo Drive and look at a bunch of stores you can't afford any items at. That that that's what you got to do that's first. A, that's good. Yeah. And you got to go to a spot around Hollywood so you could see the Hollywood sign. And you could actually go to a place on Franklin and take a picture with it in the background. If you're really ambitious, you hike up to the Hollywood sign. But you got to do something Hollywood sign centric, right? Um, one place that I've been to maybe once in my lifetime, and it's the biggest cliched item because it's picturesque. Uh, you always see the Santa Monica Pier as something that represents Los Angeles. Um, I personally don't know anybody who goes to the Santa Monica Pier, <laughs> but I guess I guess you got to do it because a lot yes. of a lot of games bump in with that that image. Uh, so you need to go there to see what it's about. Um, and I guess you got to go to downtown, right? But I, we don't really have like a. Do we have a downtown. Yeah, really? it's it's no Manhattan, it's no Chicago. It's just kind of like yeah, a bunch of tall buildings. Um, so those are, those are the places that are cliches that I probably would have to take you to, right? But the best place in town, and I'm, I'm being sincere here, Griffith Park Observatory gives you everything you need. And, and whether you're hiking to it or you're driving to it, the scene at Griffith Park, Griffith Park Observatory is worth the price of admission. Whatever you're paying to get there or whatever, just to look at the city on a clear day specifically, I very much recommend. And my two things that I do, I will say this, and I, I'll regret them as soon as I say them, I'm going to take you to a place on Bundy and show you something that, that bad that happened there oh, about wow. 25 oh, years ago. Oh, come on. That was wow. mine. That was mine. First off, 
you're I'm already taking your healthy hiking yeah. lifestyle, yeah. and now you're going to do this. Look right. at the way he turned yeah. so fast. Uh, seriously, I mean, come on, Jay Stu. And, and, and I have to take you up above Hollywood, where uh, what Charles Manson's people did something. You, you got to look at <laughs> Cielo Drive. Everybody watched Once so. Upon a yeah. Time in Hollywood, of course. Yeah. That's my tour oh. of L.A. Right oh, all right, John Ramos of the four minutes we allotted you. You have. 15 seconds to uh no i'm just kidding john ramos any recommendations for la i would would say two places i would go to would be the grauman's theater in hollywood where many of great people put their hands and their feet and and the other place would be alvera street which is uh one of the great places in los angeles to have uh mexican food and stuff like that so okay good recommendation uh the, the the place that i would not visit is uh the chinese theater in hollywood that is that place is John, I cannot believe you recommended that. All it is, <laughs> but it's Hollywood. Is eight different Spider Mans or Batmans trying to get your picture taken. The <laughs> and, traffic and stinks. Shaking you down for money. Yeah. Oh man. I I I agree with the. Uh, I I used to live in Santa Monica, which is close to the to the OJ spot. That was the first place I took everyone. Be like, oh, you, oh, look, look. There's the Bundy sign. You know where we're going. I am right on par with uh, Jason Stewart on that. Also. Brady Bunch house. Got to do it. It's in the Valley. You know what? I actually circled that. And what's funny is America, two of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet, and Jason Stewart and Dan Byer immediately got you to Bundy Drive. Uh, Just letting you know. (laughs) Just call it what it is. I I like the Hollywood Museum because we're all such pop culture nerds. Uh, And and then head on over to... uh, you know the Viper Room area and and all that fun. You know, get sunset? go take in a, a Sunset Boulevard, take in a nice little uh, evening show. Go to one of the comedy clubs here, celebrity sightings, and and just uh, well, some of the dirty side. Uh, everything you heard about in those eighty metal <laughs> metal band songs, it's all there in a four block radius. There's also the Wonder Year House in Burbank, if you want to sure. find it. You could go to that one as well. The Golden Girls frontage is also in Santa Monica, just off of Sunset. You could see that, where, the, where you thought the Golden Girls, it was the actual Golden Girls house that they showed in the credits on the outside, uh, but that is actually in Southern California. All right, there it is, your guide <laughs> of where to go and not go. By the way, the seagulls <laughs> on Santa Monica Pier, not spooked at all. Like, they, are, they have no fear, no, no fear whatsoever, just like... Like Ralph Irvin has no fear. I'm sure Ralph could give us some tips later on in the press of places to go as well. But in the meantime, he'll just give us the latest of what's going on today. Uh, first, I'm going to point out the irony uh, of Mike Harmon talking about the dark places. Then he goes to the Viper Room where River Phoenix overdosed. So, hey, yep. hey, hey. That was an isolated <laughs> incident. And nobody's called me kind and nice or whatever. I'm usually the guy put up as the loudmouth and angry guy on this network. Dan and Jason, not so much, Ralph. Well, I lived in the neighborhood when the uh, sidewalk was still not dirty, and it hasn't happened there either, so that was isolated as well. Adam Kaplan joining us here, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. Uh, sorry for the delay, Adam. I know we're a little later than schedule, but let's just start with the Doug Peterson hiring in Jacksonville. He is their main man. Shad Khan had to put out a long release. Does Shad Khan need to explain Doug Peterson's hiring in Jacksonville? No, he shouldn't. I mean, it just here's what happened. He Remember, he interviewed very early, like three weeks ago. And there was no second interview until recently. It was just very odd, the timing of it. Uh, they're all, listen, if you look at the nine openings, this is the one where you, you really scratch your head. Not who was hired. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with Philly. Mm-hmm. But just the process of it. And who's good is it's Trent Baalke in his situation, which 
some people around the league think is tenuous, and is, is uh, Rick Spielman going to come in, who interviewed earlier this week, who I believe would be an assistant GM, as has explained to me. So it's been sort of a mess, the Jaguars, but here's the good thing, as some of the candidates told me, a lot of cash space, a lot of cash, and you got a quarterback. Well, to, to that end, uh, Adam, as we look at it, Byron Leftwich, what – yeah. We obviously heard about the Trent Baalke stuff and everything, but the holding pattern, does is he still in play for one of these other jobs, or, or are we still looking at Tampa with, I guess, a super squad with, between the head coach and coordinators? Yeah, no, I think he stays, because right now, I'll just go quickly, we've got three openings. Josh McCown, John McGannon, Brian Flores for the, the, the Texans, Dolphins, Kellen Moore, Mike McDaniel are the finalists that I know of, uh, Saints, Dennis Allen, the coordinator for Brian Flores again. Eric Bieniemy, Darren Rizzi, the D, the special teams coach, and Aaron Glenn, who who used to be their DB's coaches, now the Lions DC. Those are the ones for those three jobs uh, that I know of. Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, joining us. You can hear him on the Inside the Birds podcast. Find him on Twitter at Kaplan NFL. The Texans finalists seem to be a bit all over the map with McCown, with Flores, with Gannon. Uh, it, 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 is Nick Casario just looking for a guy that will listen to him in the headset, or, or what does he want in Houston uh, moving forward now that Cully's gone after a year? Right. Well, that's that's something that Flores knows about because this this happened. Nick would do that in New England. This would be nothing new for him. Uh, but the, the strange thing is when you look at it, yeah, you've got Josh McCown, by the way, they interviewed last year, and I, I know one Texan source said to me, time was not right, but he would be head coach, and it wouldn't surprise him if it didn't work out for a colleague that he'd get a look, and here we are. Jonathan Gannon is a guy who's highly thought around the league. Now, he did not do a great job with the Eagles this season. Uh, good at points against, but they were not, a, they were not as aggressive as I think people thought he would be as a D coordinator. But he'll be head coach someday if it's not now, but he's a finalist yet. In fact, I'm told he was, uh, he was, still, he was talking to potential staff members uh, down in Mobile this week. And Brian Flores, uh, you know, when you look at it, Look, I mean, we know what's going on with the lawsuits, but the fact of the matter is he's, he has a very strong relationship with Nick Casario to work together in New England. We'll see where it goes. So to that end, you mentioned lawsuit. Uh, as, as this started to play, you know, your ears on the ground and, and you know, boots on the ground for all of these, these activities, yep. what's the feeling around the league as to how wide, wide this becomes? Because the, you know, the 58 pages did name potential co-defendants of every team in the league. Yeah, it's it's look, it's gonna do, it's gonna evolve over the next series of weeks and months. It's it, I was at in Mobile this week for the Senior Bowl. Just to say, people were shocked would be an understatement. No one saw this coming. No one knew about it. And I found it out of practice. And you know, people came up to me. You know, what do you make of it? I'm like, well, uh, it, the big challenge here is the Rooney Rule, folks, which which basically has not worked out like the league wanted it. The intention is good, but it clearly is uh, the process has not worked out at all. And GMs I've spoken to know it's not good enough. That needs to be revised. It, it, the, the league will have to take a look at it in, in the owners meetings in March. They're, they don't really have a choice at, in the matter. Uh, that is the, really the crux of this issue. Now, the other part about it is, and this is what floored people, is the, the allegations of tanking uh, based on the way that Flores described it uh, with the Dolphins. And Steve Ross, obviously the owner, is going to deny that. That's what is in the statement. But the league now has to investigate on that. And how about Hugh Jackson, who's now coaching in college, coming on Twitter, throwing flames to the fire? I mean, it's just, you know, that's Hugh Jackson. But listen, he, they, of course, the, the Browns have to deny it. It, it. it isn't amazing the timing. Once the allegations come out, within a couple hours, there you go, there's statement denying it.
Adam Kaplan joining us, and just a couple of more quick ones uh, on that. There, there was some thought of how could Stephen Ross even own the team if he was, you know, instructing sure. his squad to to tank. But now there's this allegation, as you mentioned, from Hugh Jackson. Th- does that help like a Stephen Ross situation in Miami, or is this something that the NFL is going to have to look at with each ownership situation and be like, all right, what? How do we move? Like, th- is Stephen Ross is in jeopardy of of maybe losing the Dolphins? Well, the only way that would happen, Dan, is if their investigation does show that that he he. He did something untoward that would violate not only policy but the bylaws. And this is what's happened over the years with we saw the NBA, although it's a little different with obviously with Don Sterling based on what he did. But it, as it was explained to me privately, it, it comes down to what what rules he violates and what the language says. So in this one, you and I, Dan, over the last years have talked about certain situations and. You and I talked at length about Daniel Schneider. I told you he's not going anywhere, despite mm-hmm. people wanting him to sell the team. The legal never forced him to do that. Talk about a slap on the wrist. He had to be away from the team. By the way, he was with the team this week when they changed the team name, so let's not forget about that. All right, Adam. You know, as we Dan and I did a little bit earlier, talking about the strange winding road for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Uh, two years. <laughs> to build the perfect beast, and now the idea of sustaining, uh, but the long road. Uh, how shocked are you that this is one of our participants? Yeah, I, I would admit if you would have had, if the three of us would have ranked the 32 teams, I will not lie, I probably would have had them in the, the, the lower half. It's very hard to predict these things. It's When you l- really look at their situation, as a matter of fact, the talk around the league at the Senior Bowl is that they will not, not, not only will they not get the Super Bowl next year, they might not even make the playoffs. They, they have a good. They have a better than average roster. Obviously, they have a really good young quarterback. There's no question. Their offense is fantastic. Defense doesn't have a ton of talent. Look, they got hot late. Uh, they, they should not have won last week. The, Ch- the Chiefs choked. I mean, they're up 21 to three. I mean, how do you lose that game? They, of course, they choked both t- games. A total of 32 points they choked from. Um, it's shocking. It, it definitely is shocking. Good, you know, good for them. Good for them. And it's funny seeing their their personal people at the Senior Bowl. They're usually hiding from people. Well, they're they're proud wearing their Bengal colors. <laughs> we uh, it, we, we talked it, we, Adam before you came on. There is a lot of luck with Cincinnati. Like for yeah. as great of a story that they are, that division had to fall apart. They had to, the Chiefs had to fall apart. A lot went their way to allow a run like this. Great story, but a yeah. lot of luck involved as well. It, I, I know that you're super busy. I know you're at Senior Bowl doing stuff. We appreciate the time. We will catch you up next week when you're in L.A. How about that? You got in person, Dan. Hopefully we will in person next week. Perfect. All right. Sounds good. Sounds Adam good, Kaplan, our Fox Sports Thanks, Radio Adam. NFL Insider. Inside the Birds podcast, you can hear him on Sirius XM NFL Radio as well. Find him on Twitter at Kaplan NFL. Yeah, everybody's coming to town, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that other people realize as well because, Mike, what we do is when we start to make predictions then for next year, you're like, okay, what three teams am I yeah. taking out of the AFC You know, from the playoff picture because we know that there's a lot of turnover. I think a lot of people probably will be taking the Bengals out, maybe putting a team like the Chargers in next year but i don't think anybody a year ago was putting the bengals in when taking out another team from the afc that's that's the the moral i think of adam kaplan's point as well is nobody thought this and it may not happen next year but at least enjoy it while it's here well that's just it i I think all of us for our teams would love uh, the world to smile upon them hell i I was watching a video of devin hester returning the opening kickoff for a (laughs) touchdown 50 times today because it's the 15th anniversary (laughs) <laughs> I, I thought the Bears had something for him for a while. It, well, you know, Manning wasn't good. It's in the rain, all yes. of this. And then Prince comes out and sings, and it all goes away.
Oh man, what a memory that <laughs> what a memory that was. Super Bowl forty one. I was at the second to the last row and the tarp that covered the media went to about halfway of the last row. So everybody at the last row just got absolutely, not only were they doused from the rain, Mike, but the tarp that they had, all the water rolled off that and and fell on them. You think the uh, Bears had a bad night? Well, Man. they still got to watch a, a Super Bowl game for free. Yeah, the, the CBS affiliate in Joliet had a worse night for the Bears. He's Mike Harmon. <laughs> I'm Dan Beyer. The latest on media seating next. No. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Welcome aboard. It is a Friday. Glad to have you with us as we are sitting in for Doug. Takes two of us to fill Doug's shoes. Check out the latest live for the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. It is me and Mike Harmon. By the way, you can always hear Mike Harmon and myself on the I Want Your Flex podcast. It's a fantasy football podcast. And even though there's no real fantasy, football going on right now outside of who you could maybe play in a Super Bowl contest. We also are in the midst of doing a draft for the 2022 fantasy football season. So if you go back and check our prior episodes, you can check out the latest four rounds because we are through four rounds and a new episode will drop on Tuesday morning with our fifth round of our fantasy draft. It's never too early, Mike, or too late to focus on fantasy football. Always got to start getting those data points in line while it's still fresh in your memory, right? The guys that let you down, reminder right now why you will never draft them again because five months from now, you're going to look at the stats, you're going to look at the health, and you're going to say, well, I, I could. It's like, no. Remember you said in week nine you were never going to go down that rabbit hole again. Now's the time to make your notes to remind yourself why that is. So you Mike don't want to do it again. Mike Harmon last year, uh, and I was right there riding shotgun with him, was high on the James Robinson hype for Jacksonville. And the only reason I bring this up, Mike, because it cooled when they drafted Travis Etienne. And then when Etienne got hurt, it got hot again. And then there were at times during the season where he was a value. And then Urban Meyer messed everything up. So there's a roller coaster, but you can always stick to your guns by what you said in 2022. I was right there with you with James Robinson. And, and that circus uh, was not James Robinson's fault. We'll just put it well, that way. Well, yeah. I mean, even though maybe people made an NFT that put a clown face on him for the fantasy failures uh, and the decision-making of Urban Meyer. Uh, we'll, we'll revisit it nice and cleanly uh, as we get ready for the next season. But, yeah, the, the first four rounds have been pretty fun. You, me, and Bershinger uh, getting after it. He's getting all chirpy because he won a couple of leagues. So it's, it's, it's fun. You can always get the I Want Your Flex podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast. Just search it and download it, and that's where you can find it. He is Mike Harmon. Get him on Twitter at Swollen Dome. I'm Dan Beyer. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. want to dive into some Super Bowl 56 stuff, but I'd be remiss if we didn't mention how we have you covered with the Winter Olympics here on Fox Sports Radio for the next two hours. John Ramos is our official Olympic correspondent, and we now head over to the Olympic desk where John Ramos gives us the latest of what's happening in Beijing 2022. Church, <laughs> the Church of the ah, Olympic Rings. It's currently five oh five a.m. in Beijing, and what a beautiful day it's going to be 
It's going to be very cold, very brisk, and currently, as I see at the, t- the clock here, no medals have been given out yet. But don't worry, there's still a full day ahead in Beijing. There it is, your 2022 Winter Olympic coverage, courtesy of John Ramos. Super Bowl 56 will take place a week from Sunday. And, Mike, during Super Bowl week, I just don't know how much now we focus on the actual matchup, which is why on Sunday night, when a certain four-letter network released their Super Bowl 56 mega pack on who's going to do what, what are the matchups to watch, who is the X factor, like – I, if I needed to go to sleep right then, I would have started to read that. But I do think that there is a time to look at this game and to look at these teams and really look at where they came from. And I, I just I look at the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are a great story. And I think that they, I don't know if embody is the right word, but they represent what the NFL wants the NFL to be, where any team starting in week one, has a chance to end up in the Super Bowl at the end of the season. And that's not always the case in the NFL, but this season it was considering the low expectations that we had for the Cincinnati Bengals. In saying all of that, and I know I shouldn't put precursors, when I look at the Cincinnati Bengals season, you want to talk about lucky, Mike? When you consider what Cincinnati has gone through, they may be wearing the Cinderella slipper and their future may be super bright with Joe Burrow, but there is one thing you can't say about that Bengals team, and you can't say they aren't lucky to be in Super Bowl 56. A lot of stuff went their way in 2021. When you, whether you look at the division, whether you look at even how the playoff plays went, there was a lot. I, I know teams need luck. But I don't know if people realize how much luck actually the Cincinnati Bengals got throughout this season to be able to make it as far as they did. No, that's it's it, right? I mean, health and luck and schedule and timing and when you play somebody, right? You lost to a couple of bottom-feeding teams. My beloved Chicago Bears beat the Bengals. What did it mean? Sure. Nothing. Nothing. Right? So <laughs> you just go down the line. I mean, and obviously you could start, you, you said the division, when that takes a deeper dive. But just Joe Burrow being able to stay upright despite being a pinata for much of the season. Yeah. Right? Much made about the nine sack game and overcoming that and the Evan McPherson, hey, drafting a kicker can be okay time. You know, that was good for fantasy football, too, by the way. Uh, but the idea that this guy just kept getting up like he was the Undertaker, the Terminator, insert your favorite movie villain here, uh, is really something quite remarkable uh, playing behind a shoddy, uh, to be kind, offensive line. Well, we take take like the NFC South, I think, is a, is a good example. Obviously, the Buccaneers won the division this year. Uh, great defense. Tom Brady uh, led that offense. But also look at the rest of that division. And you look at what happened with New Orleans in the quarterback position. Jameis Winston ends up going down with his knee injury. And Trevor Simeon has to come in. Taysom Hill has to take over. Issues there. Carolina. You even had at, Ian Book take some snaps yeah, for crying yes. out loud. Yet Ian Book takes snaps. You How look about at that what Monday happened. night game? Let's, let's not rewind that. You had, to that. You had Carolina. You had Carolina's situation where Sam Darnold ended up, after the first three weeks, falling apart. So bad they had to bring Cam Newton in, who gave him one like great victory against Arizona on the road, and then it was more of the same. And you've got PJ Walker and Matt Ryan in Atlanta is not the Matt Ryan of old or the Matt Ryan of the MVP season. 
Like Tom Brady at the quarterback position of the Buccaneers had a distinct advantage over the rest of that division. And you look at the AFC North, just to keep Joe Burrow upright and to keep him healthy for the 17 games, look at the quarterbacking situation that you had to deal with in the AFC North. Baker Mayfield hurt since week two. Whether you like Baker Mayfield or don't like Baker Mayfield, it was not 100%. There were times when he needed to be replaced. Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball 20 yards. He was a liability with his offense the entire year. The Baltimore Ravens were hurt in the preseason, and then that just continued throughout the regular season, Mm -hmm. including not having Lamar Jackson for the last, what, third of the season in in Baltimore. All of that stuff had to go right for Cincinnati. And I know that it'll point to, we kicked the crap out of the Ravens in both opportunities, and we did this to Pittsburgh. They also had the Browns run over them in in the middle of the season, and Nick Chubb ended up running wild. But the the rest of the division, Mike, was not what the AFC North used to be. Then you have Ryan Tannehill turning the ball over. Then you have the 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 errant whistle in the Raiders game for the touchdown to Tyler Boyd. You still had the Raiders with an opportunity to maybe score at the end. You think about how the Chiefs just absolutely collapsed. Like I understand like getting a break here and there, but a lot aligned for Cincinnati to be able to make it to Super Bowl 56. They're a great story, but I, I just and the, the reason I bring this up is because they do have the key piece in having Joe Burrow as their quarterback, Mike. But I just question with the the realistic nature of that offensive line and where they get better on how sustainable this is. And I just think with a lot of the stuff that went the way of the Bengals this season, it's going to be a lot tougher next season. Yeah, I think when the the part of it that's intriguing to me, right, as we look at cap space and and trying to push forward the Bengals, uh, if you believe any of this stuff, the, you know the the spot track, spot track, and and others as the cap goes up this next year, that they're in the top five in terms of having money to spend, and you've got a formula not too unlike your beloved Seahawks years ago where you've got a number of young players on, on rookie deals. It means eventually you're going to have to pay the piper, right? And that, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. we know that's going to happen, which means, you know, the band breaks up, they become solo artists who have that nucleus in place and money to go and quickly turn around your offensive line. Because at this point, who wouldn't want to go play with Joe Chill or – Joe Cool or whatever we're calling sure. Joe Burrow at this point. Because no matter how bad you are, he can still make you look better. Look, we gave up sacks, but look how tough he is. He didn't get a clean hit on him because I at least slowed him down for a second, right? And, and gets up uh, and, and does it again. But, it, yeah, you also had most of your principal players healthy this year, not just Burrow, Dan. And that generally doesn't happen. Remember when the Raiders had their run and Derek Carr was uh, on the the medal stand, presumptive MVP candidate, Mm -hmm. and the whole year it was, wow, look how healthy they are, and then he gets hurt. We have the famous, um, well, audio clip of It's Broke. It's Broke. It's captured by by NFL Films. But the reality was all year, if you looked at their, you know, 22 starters plus your, your kicker and punter, they were healthy. And for the Bengals, for the most part, and obviously you have some attrition, the guys you needed to step up to put up big performances did. And, and so it all, it all played out. And uh, the other lucky people, Dan, of course, are those that bet them in the preseason at 150 to 1. That's <laughs> very, very lucky. I, I just think you go over to the other sideline, you see what the Rams went through. And the Rams navigated the toughest division in football. And they won that division. 
and and if anything, the Rams almost gave it away. I don't. I, there there was no part of them being lucky against Tampa in going on the road. Like the only bit of luck that I could say that for the Rams would be is that the 49ers ended up knocking off Green Bay, so the Rams didn't have to go to Green Bay and face the Packers. However, they had to face the team, their division rival, that had beaten them the last six times in the NFC Championship game with a fan base that took over half the stadium. Like to me, that isn't luck. That is, and, and the Rams were a team, and it's not even that we expected the Rams to be good or we expected the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. We picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. You just look at how things played out for them during the season. Maybe there was a break here or there for them, but just for Cincinnati, I think so much had to align, and it's a great story. It's an mm-hmm. awesome story, but so much had to align that you can't say that luck wasn't a factor just because of the health in the quarterbacks, the playoff situations that they had to go through, the collapse of the Chiefs. Uh, one of those things don't happen, and I'm not sure Cincinnati's in the Super Bowl. Well, you know, Tart is still going door-to-door in San Francisco apologizing <laughs> for dropping that would-be interception. Uh, and there was still like, time left. There was no, still time well, left. That's but, just, but that was at indicative. Least you would, and, but you would have the lead, and, and maybe, just maybe, you can bust off sure. one run or really dig into your bag of tricks. I equated Shanahan's playbook, what it needed to be for everything to finish this run, into what Henry Winkler was bringing in the water boy. Okay, and that's why they they had to go and steal his playbook because it was just that rich. No, he fakes. Nope, he thinks <laughs> about faking that kind of thing. Uh, and maybe they had one drive in him, but we'll never know because uh, well, it was dropped. So I, there I, you have it. I did not want to rain on the parade of Cincinnati. I really don't. I I, I think that their story. And I'm I'm I much. Rather have Cincinnati, honestly, in this game than than the Kansas City Chiefs or a team that we saw. I mean, I'd be fine with Buffalo in it, but there's no denying that this team got lucky this season. Yeah, I I would say the, the other side to saying they're lucky, Dan, is that it becomes a storybook season. Right. If you all sure. you have to do is change just the the application of one word, lucky to storybook. And it's a positive thing with all the same bullet points you just made. The only thing that the Chiefs uh, not getting there did, the potential was that just on principle, because what we do in our sports society, we were going to turn on the Chiefs because they mm-hmm. were there again. Yes. And at some point you get tired of much. looking. I mean, that's, you know, fatigue of Brady, yeah, fatigue of LeBron. What we did to the Warriors, it took a season and a half or less before Steph Curry became hated. Just look at him chewing that mouthpiece. He's so smug. I told you this. You and I have done enough shows. As soon as they broke the Bulls record, I turned on them. I wanted them to break 72, and then I'm like, all right, I don't like the Warriors And then they lost, so it didn't matter. (laughs) He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. They say it's better to be lucky than good. That's the situation with the Cincinnati Bengals. Get Mike on Twitter, at Swollen Dome. You can find me on Twitter, at Dan Byer on Fox.